0: last time I spoke a few weeks ago I spoke about the subject of prayer and we've just had a week leading up to Good Friday where we did a 24-7 prayer we intentionally filled as much of the day and night as we could with prayer from here and we finished with a great prayer meeting um, all through the night on Good Friday and some people came for an hour and stayed for three and it was really great so um, well done everyone for getting involved and that's something we're going to be doing more and more Um, Today, I want to go on from from that and talk about something which is related, but it's a subject that's specific to itself, and that's the subject of worship. Um, As we were worshipping earlier, I had this thought that um, on the day of Pentecost, when the church had... The Holy Spirit came upon the Church, and there was manifestations of the Spirit. people were speaking in tongues and praising God and worshipping Him. and um, everyone was kind of watching in amazement, and Peter stood up and explained what had just happened. And I was thinking that, in a way, this talk is a bit of an explanation, my attempt at explaining why we worship, so why we were doing what we were doing in the first 20 minutes. So I hope you'll bear with me um, if you're totally familiar with all these things, but we can enjoy looking at this subject together. I became a Christian as a teenager and I was in a Baptist church and we sang lots of hymns, which I loved. Um, But then I went on to become part of a, a smaller house group, which was part of the charismatic movement and believed very much in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the songs that came from that movement were the things that really helped me find a deeper relationship with God and helped me to understand him better because of the theology that the songs carried so there was a simplicity but also a depth um, to them and they helped me to worship him passionately and they helped me to worship him truthfully and also to seek him with all my heart. And it's these three things I want us to think about today. Worshipping him passionately. Worshipping him truthfully. And worsh- and seeking him with all of our hearts. Um, on a Sunday morning we have uh, a, a limited kind of space uh, for worship. Which would be less uh, free than it was on the Good Friday prayer. Where everyone can bring and get involved. Um, because we are in a more uh, structured setting. Um, But we have a specific time at the beginning which we give to worshipping God through song and music, which is a powerful vehicle for both God's word and God's spirit to permeate our lives. The Psalms, which is the book in the middle of the Bible, are songs which have been used to praise God for thousands of years And Jesus was familiar with them, and he used them to worship. He used them in his worship. And um, these psalms encourage us to join in the song of creation with all kinds of instruments um, and to join in that anthem of praise to the creator God. So why do we worship? Augustine said, you've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds itself in you. That resounds with so many people, doesn't it? And the Westminster Confession states that man's chief aim is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Some philosophers have said that the fact that we have an inner longing and a desire for God is actually an argument for his existence. Um, It's called the argument from desire, And it says that because of the way we're made, our natural desires like needing to eat, drink, uh, desire for knowledge and friendship and beauty, all of those are achievable in this life. uh, And they're the nature of things. But the fact that our inner longing for God can never be fully achieved until the next life is proof that an eternal God exists But philosophical arguments don't work for everyone. (laughs) C.S. Lewis had a different version of it, and he talked about that inner longing or desire for God being an inexpressible joy that wells up within us and makes us long for more. But those who are critical of the idea of worshipping God or don't believe in God would say that a God that makes people to worship him is a bit weird, Um, And why would he do that? If it was just that God made us to worship him um, and so that he could enjoy it, then perhaps that would be weird. But the reason that that is the case is that we're made in his image. And when we worship him, we become the best that we can be. We become the best humanity that we can be because we're reaching out for that goodness that comes only from him. And as... People made in his image, when we worship him, we become a clearer reflection of his glory. That's why worship is also linked with the idea of seeking after God. Not that God hides himself away, but that there is always more to fathom, more love to find, more to understand. The first of the Ten Commandments says, "'I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery,' You shall have no other gods before me. That's in Exodus 20. So we don't take that idea of God freeing us from Egypt literally because um, we're not the Hebrews who were slaves in Egypt. But for us, it's about the fact that God's rescued us or wants to rescue us from the kinds of things that we get enslaved to today. So, for example, when Kira Pugh spoke a few weeks ago about our consumerist society, and she spoke about some of the things that entrap us and we get kind of pulled into because of the society we live in, or what Becky Stevens spoke about when she talked about how We can be slaves to watching unhelpful things on TV or getting involved in unhelpful things in the media um, or maybe um, unhelpful addictions um, to things that are going to harm us. These things in themselves can end up becoming the gods that we put before our maker and creator. And the Bible doesn't say that there are no other gods. It says that we shouldn't worship any other gods before the one true God, because he alone is to be worshipped. So we have to intentionally choose to worship God rather than other things, and we have to nurture that inner longing to be close to him, just as that song says that we sing sometimes, there's no place I'd rather be. In order to do that, we need to be intentional about putting him first in our lives and reorientate ourselves around his kingdom principles. So how do we do that? How do we worship? The word worship in Scripture has a number of different words which translate into our one, and I'm not going to go into all of them now, but they cover ideas like kneeling down, lifting hands, um, being obedient to, falling prostrate before, um, and living right as well. And throughout the Bible there's this idea that God isn't after the act or the ritual in itself but the heart attitude that's behind it. In fact, ritual on its own is something that makes him angry. But true love coming from the heart in acts of sacrifice and devotion is what he loves. There's a verse in the book of Amos, which is one of the prophets in the Old Testament, in chapter 5, and it talks about um, how God is telling the people of Israel off. He's actually really cross with them, and one of the things he says is, "I hate your songs," and that's quite quite harsh, isn't it? Um, I actually heard that voice, that that verse being read over the radio this morning. Um, there was a service uh, in memory of Martin Luther King Jr., and um, they were talking about his life and what he achieved. Um, and it's not because God was being like a Simon Cal when he said those words, I hate your songs. Um, he wasn't judging their voices or their musicianship. He was judging their hearts. And the reason that he said it to those people, the people of Israel at that time, is because although they were carrying on with their worship, um, they were not looking after the poor and needy in the land. And... Um, Uh, a great worship leader in the the vineyard movement called David Ruiz teaches a lot on how worship and justice go together and when we lift our hearts and lives in worship there's a sense in which the world is made right and the song that Andy chose this morning very much um, had those words which had that sense in it that things come into line um, even although those things are maybe things that need fighting for as well and the passage in Amos goes on to say, um, Just, Justice roll like a river, righteousness, a never ending stream. You could say that the whole Bible is about how God's amazing creation, full of beauty and purpose, finds its fulfillment in worshipping its creator. In the Old Testament, Psalm 8 says, How majestic is your name, O Lord! Um, Your glory shines from the heavens and all you've made, and and the angels praise you, and um, from the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise. And then in Isaiah 55, it says, the mountains and sea will burst into song to you. The trees will clap their hands before you. It's like there's a constant song of worship going up in creation, and we need to tune into it. Uh, Jesus says to the Pharisees at one point, if you stop those people worshipping me, the stones of the ground are going to worship me. So, we're going to look at the story of a woman who knew how to pour out her heart to Jesus in worship. And this story is written about in all four of the Gospels in a slightly different way. Each of the Gospel writers take a slightly different perspective in the way they tell it. Um, one of them says it's Mary, the sister of Lazarus, who died, but not everyone says who it is. Uh, we're going to read the the one from um, Mark's Gospel, so Mark 14. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. And truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So this story has got a combination, hasn't it, of the deeply personal worship, um, but also the amazing public and corporate way that this story has been told around the world. And as far as Mary is concerned, Jesus is the only one in the room. She, was, she washes his feet, not only with her expensive perfume, but with her hair and her tears It's an all-consuming love and worship that she brings. And she's not worrying about what people think or caring about what others might feel is appropriate. Her worship is for the audience of one. And then Jesus, the irony is that he twists it around and he says to all that are there that whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, this story's got to be told in memory of her. I wonder why he does that. I think it's because he wants to honour the spontaneous act of a woman who's got no standing in society and no legal status. Someone who, as a woman, um, couldn't actually officially record a public event or be a witness at that event. And yet Jesus wants it recorded as his official embalming before his burial He wants this woman's personal act of love and devotion to be an important public symbol of true worship, not only for those that were there at that time, but for many generations to come. And Jesus honors her memory. And it just made me think about the word that Lisa brought this morning, about the people who feel like they're not the beautiful daffodils, but they're still closed up. Jesus notices, doesn't he? He notices... um, everything. He notices everyone. Um, And he sees the hearts of everyone who lift their love to him and their affection to him. No one is unimportant or unseen. Whether they're the quietest person in this room, whether they're in a hidden room in a war-torn country, Jesus sees the worship of everyone's heart. And this story shows us how important every individual is to him it's not about fame usually this woman didn't realize she was going to be made famous but for her it was all about the fame of Jesus that she cared and whether we write songs or kneel before him in our rooms quietly and privately or whether we cry out to him sometimes publicly when we're together or whether we're with others or whether we're in twos or threes or hundreds or whatever it is um, when we bring our worship it's for the audience of one that we do it and if he wants to take our songs or words or musical ability or our voices and use them more publicly then he can but it's never for that that we do it is it it's for him that we do it So as well as the intensely personal, um, the corporate factor is really important as well. And when we come together on a Sunday morning, we've got an order to what we do. You know, what we do here is not the same as when we're meeting together in in prayer and we're having a a quieter, more informal event where everyone can bring stuff and everyone can pour out their hearts to each other, uh, like connect groups as well. Um, And we do really have those meetings so if this is something that you're wanting to explore more please find out when they are Um, but on a Sunday morning the worship leaders in the band are leading us into God's presence in worship they're not putting on a performance for everybody to stand and watch and it doesn't mean that the quality doesn't matter because we believe that in using um, gifted people we you know we we want gifted people who are anointed for that ministry and that they're aiming for excellence in all that they do but the purpose of our songs and worship time is is literally to honor God and seek his presence for us to personally and intimately and corporately engage with him so when the guys who are leading us in worship uh, choose their songs, they pray and they ask the Holy Spirit to help them. And when they lead, they might be spontaneous um, and they might improvise some music and encourage us to join in. But the important thing is that we follow the Holy Spirit's lead ourselves and join in and enjoy their skills of musicianship as they lead us into God's presence. In the Old Testament, when God gave instructions on how his temple should be set up, it included a special ministry for musicians who were set apart as those who led worship. And we don't do it because just because of that, but we follow the scriptural principles um, that uh, help us to do what we do and help us to do things as God would love. Uh, One of my favorite worship leaders, David Ruiz, um, says that corporate worship is a fascinating meshing of personal and communal experience. And he draws out how there are tensions sometimes because we have to defer to one another. You know, we have to accept that there are different preferences of um, tastes in music, presentation, um, sound levels and all sorts of things there are different ways that we could do things but when we come together we're obviously doing it as one and we need to be sensitive to those around us as well as giving the lord our heartfelt praise if we want to lift our hands um, and our heads then do let's do that let's engage with him if we want to Dance as long as we're not running into anyone or or causing a problem, then please feel free to do that. Um, But as we contribute in a communal setting, let's just be aware that our, our aim is to give glory to Jesus, not to draw attention to ourselves or to distract others. So let's look at another great example in Scripture of someone who knows how to worship God. And we've had a woman, so now we'll have a man. And this person is King David. He was the second king in Israel, uh, about 1000 BCE. BCE. And um, he is famous as a worshipper, not because he did everything right, which he certainly didn't, um, or even because he wrote great worship songs, which he certainly did, Uh, But he's known as a great worshipper because he worshipped God from his heart and he knew how to bring every area of his life under God's rule and reign, especially when he mucked up. The good and righteous kings in the Old Testament were those that intentionally tore down the idols (laughs) And ensured that God's covenant and law were acknowledged in the land. And there are stories of how the kings, or how King David, brought back the Ark of the Covenant, which was a, a representation of God's law and covenant and His presence with them. And he danced as part of his worship before that. One of his psalms is Psalm 51, and we're going to read that now together. Um, just to hear what David has to say. Um, from the heart of this psalm. And also remember that when he wrote these psalms, many of them were used in public, as a public liturgy. So he was leading people into God's presence when he wrote these things as well. So, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. Sorry, I should have explained that this is in the context of a prophet called Nathan coming to rebuke him, rebuke the king, because he had committed adultery and he had had the man murdered. And neither of these things in any way does the Bible say is okay, Um, or that there won't be consequences to those things. But the Bible shows, and through the relationship that David has with with God, um, that he could come to God in repentance and make his relationship right again. So I'll start again. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me, and against you and you only have I sinned. I've done evil in your sight. You are right in your ver- verdicts and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. So, there you have it. Davies is known as a man after God's heart because he has a relationship of awe and wonder and love and love. And obedience. And this personal prayer of David has been used the world over to help people like you and me repent of our sin, whether big or small, private or public. Um, It's not a formula or a magic mantra, but just simple words. And words that help us get right before God, help us to be able to worship Him in truth. So from these two examples in scripture, we can learn that Jesus appreciates passionate, genuine, lavish worship from a heart that's been forgiven and cleansed. And true worship really brings heaven and earth together. The frailty of earth meets the glory of heaven Psalm 22 says that God lives in or is enthroned in the praises of of his people. And last week, Steve spoke about the Trinity and how God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are equally God together in an eternal relationship with one another. When we worship, we become part of this eternal relationship, this communion between the Father, the Son and the Spirit And Jesus has gone before us to the throne room of God. He prays for us continuously, so does the Holy Spirit, from both within our hearts and the heart of God. And not only do we get caught up with who he is, but we get caught up in what he's doing, in his story. We become a part of his story, Um, his creation, his rescuing us from the fall, his hope for an eternal future where there will be no more tears or pain or evil. And this is the rest that Augustine talks about. This is the oneness that Jesus has with his Father and that Jesus prays that we will have with him as well. So, let's come to God again and have some more worship here this morning. Um, we want to be those that seek after him with all of our hearts. We want to be able to worship him passionately and to respond to him intimately. And we want to worship him truthfully. Um, and as we have this time of worship, I just encourage all of us to engage with him maybe a little bit deeper. If you feel that God speaks words um, for, for us here as well then please feel free to to bring those but we're going to engage with him again and enjoy his presence and see what he wants to do amongst us